Hello everyone. On a chilly, sunny December 1st, I'm sitting in the recliner in my small shed slash office with my cup of coffee at hand. I want to share with you from my heart today. In this week's Advent readings, I'll look back at the hope promised by God and then at what kind of people God expects us to be because of that hope. You might find it helpful to pause after listening to each scripture reading and the comments which follow and then take some time to ponder the passage for yourself. First, an introduction. For centuries after the time when the Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem and the temple, the Jewish people waited for God to fulfill his promises to come and deliver them from their oppressors and to establish his kingdom of justice and peace. Following the return from exile, the people lived in their land, rebuilt Jerusalem, and built a new temple. But there were only brief periods when they were not in subjection to foreigners. First the Persians, then the Greeks, and then the Romans. And even during the times of relative freedom from foreign domination, God's promise that a son of David would bring about a reign of peace in their land and exalt their nation in the world remained unfulfilled. The people waited. We can be sure that their hopes waxed and waned during those long centuries. However, it's clear in literature from the years surrounding Jesus' time on earth that some had calculated the time foretold in Daniel's prophecies and many were confident that God was about to show up among them to establish that promised kingdom. Mary's song of praise in Luke 1, 46-55, Zechariah's prophecy, Luke 1, 67-79, and Simeon's prayer in Luke 2, 29-32, each of them grounded in the scriptures, all highlight Israel's hope and their anticipation that God was about to act. After Simeon recognized Mary's baby as the one that had been expecting and prophesied concerning him, the prophetess Anna also saw the child. and She not only gave thanks to God, but she began giving prophetic confirmation, saying to, quote, all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem, unquote, that at last, God was acting to fulfill his promises. We likewise wait in hope for Jesus to return as he promised. We also wait in expectation for that great day when evil will be forever vanquished, when God's people will be vindicated for their trust in him, that day when God will come to dwell among us forever. Our first reading is from Isaiah 11, 1 to 10. And in these passages, I'll be reading from the New King James Version. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of Yahweh, shall rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. 
but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins and faithfulness the belt of his waist. The wolf also shall lie down with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox, the nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, who shall stand as a banner to the people. For the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. When God had finished creation, it was very good. But along with all the humans, his creation came under the curse of death, when our forefather Adam rebelled and rejected his calling to bear the image and likeness of God and to serve as God's representative, responsible to steward God's earth. Yet even after that awful fall, the judgment which God pronounced on the serpent included a promise with hope for humans. God declared that the seed of the woman would bruise the serpent's head. Genesis 3.15 Generations later, God chose Abraham to be the father of the nation from whom this promise descended of the woman would come. Abraham's call came with another promise, that his seed would bring blessing to all the nations. Abraham fathered Isaac, Isaac fathered Jacob, whom God called Israel, and Jacob fathered twelve sons who became the fathers of the twelve tribes of Israel. Before Jacob died, he prophesied from the that from the tribe of his son Judah a king would arise and that to him all the nations would give their obedience. Centuries later, God chose that king for himself, David, the eighth son of Jesse, a descendant of Judah. See 1 Samuel 16. Then to David, God promised a son who would be established as king forever. 2 Samuel 7, 11 to 13 and again in 1 Chronicles 17, 10-14. Even though David's descendants would lose the throne for centuries because they chose to worship idols, God reaffirmed his promise through the prophet Isaiah, as we have read. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. God declared that his own spirit would rest on this coming son of David who would bring justice to the human race and restoration to the earth restoring peace without violence and fear. In that wonderful day, God promised the earth shall be full of the knowledge of Yahweh, the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. Unlike David, this branch from Jesse's root would not just be a king for Abraham's physical descendants, Israel. Rather, in that day, the heir to David's throne will be a banner of salvation to all the world. The nations will rally to him and the land where he lives will be a glorious place, said the prophet. So it is that we who have believed and confessed Jesus to be our Lord wait in this hope for that day when the branch from Jesse's root, the anointed king, will return to set the world right. In that day, 
he will have reconciled all things to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Colossians 1.20 Hallelujah! Our second reading is from Psalm 72. <coughs> Excuse me. Although the official lectionary reading suggests only a part of Psalm 72, I have chosen to read prayerfully the whole of this powerful declaration. A Psalm of Solomon. Give the king your judgments, O God, and your righteousness to the king's son. He will judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. The mountains will bring peace to the people and the little hills by righteousness. He will bring justice to the poor of the people. He will save the children of the needy and will break in pieces the oppressor. They shall fear you as long as the sun and moon endure throughout all generations. He shall come down like rain upon the grass before mowing, like showers that water the earth. In his days the righteous shall flourish, the abundance of peace until the moon is no more. He shall have dominion also from sea to sea and from the rivers to the end of the earth. Those who dwell in the wilderness will bow before him, and his enemies will lick the dust. The kings of Tarshish and of the isles will bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba will offer gifts. Yes, all kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. For he will deliver the needy when he cries, the poor also, and him who has no helper. He will spare the poor and needy, and he will save the souls of the needy. He will redeem their life from oppression and violence, and precious shall be their blood in his sight. And he shall live, and the gold of Sheba will be given to him. Prayer also will be made for him continually, and daily he shall be praised. There will be abundance of grain in the earth on the top of the mountains. Its fruit shall wave like Lebanon, and those of the city shall flourish like grass of the earth. His name shall endure forever. His name shall continue as long as the sun. And men shall be blessed in him. All nations shall call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only does wondrous things. And blessed be his glorious name forever. And let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. <clears throat> This psalm, a prayer for the king, in the Hebrew scriptures is simply headed of Solomon. While in the Septuagint, the Jewish translation of the scriptures into Greek, it is headed for Solomon. David may have written the prayer to be offered on behalf of his heir Solomon. But inspired by the spirit of prophecy, David prayed for a worldwide king, a prayer that could only be fulfilled by David's greater son, Jesus the Messiah. David's prayer harmonizes with the way Jesus himself instructed us to pray. Our Father in heaven, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The prayer expresses the hope that we have in Jesus the Messiah for the time when justice and peace will prevail, when the world reset right, and when the whole earth will be filled with God's glory. While we wait in patience, and work in hope until Jesus returns, Psalm 72 
is a God-inspired way for us to pray that the Father, in the words of Peter, may send Jesus Christ, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. See Acts 3, 20-21. And so we can say, May Jesus' name endure forever. May his fame continue as long as the sun. May all the peoples of the earth be blessed in him. May all nations call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The third passage is from Romans 15, verses 4 through 13. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore receive one another, just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God, to confirm the promises made to the fathers, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written. For this reason I will confess to you among the Gentiles, and sing to your name. Again he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, There should be a root of Jesse, and he shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. In him, the Gentiles shall hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This passage is a climax of one of the predominant themes in Paul's epistle to the Romans. The theme has to do with the question about who is included in God's family. Actually, in the whole of the scriptures, not only in Romans, perhaps the most predominant theme is God's covenant family. The fact that Luke's genealogy of Jesus goes all the way back from Joseph to Adam, son of God, is a key indicator that from the beginning, God intended to have an adopted human family. This intention is again seen in the promise that the seed of the woman would ultimately defeat the serpent, a prophecy fulfilled when the Holy Spirit overshadowed the Virgin Mary to conceive Jesus, the Son in whom God and man are forever joined. Earlier in this letter, Paul had written concerning all who are in Christ through faith, all of those who have been made alive in Christ by God's Spirit, You receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Romans 8, 15 and 16. Therefore, Romans 15 tells us that since in Christ we are children of God, the scriptures themselves were written to give us hope and to teach us how to live in the light of that hope. To be honest, it doesn't seem to me that we actually take seriously what it means to be God's family. If we do, we certainly appear to forget or even to ignore it often enough. 
Yet Paul sums up his message in Romans by calling on us, the children of God, to think and act like we actually are God's family. Paul prayed that we would receive grace to be like-minded toward each other, which means that, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we will think about one another the way Christ, our elder brother, thinks about us. Paul also prayed that we all together, as God's family, will glorify our Father with one mind and one mouth. That takes us right back to the Garden of Gethsemane, where on the night before he was crucified, Jesus prayed for us all to be one in just the same way that he and the Father are one, so that the world will know that because of his love, the Father sent the Son, Jesus, to bring us into the family. Jesus became a servant to the circumcision, to the Jewish people, in order to confirm God's truthful promises made to their forefathers, especially the promises that they had been chosen by God in order to reveal his glorious love and mercy to the Gentiles. Therefore, in Christ, all the children of God, Jew and Gentile alike, may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul's vision of God's family is wonderful. It's a glorious hope into which we've been called. So how are we to glorify God as his sons and daughters? It is imperative for us to receive and accept one another the way Christ has received and accepted us. How dare we not surrender ourselves to live in accordance, accord with Jesus and with one another? All too often, we simply do not see anything near that kind of harmony among the people of God. Forgive us, Lord. Change us. God's grace is fully sufficient to enable us all together in our attitudes, words, and way of life to glorify God our Father with one voice. Let us therefore live in the power of the Holy Spirit as true sons and daughters of our Father, becoming conformed to the mind and character of our firstborn brother Jesus while we wait for his promised return. Fourth passage, Matthew 3, 1-12. In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance, and don't think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water under repentance. But he's coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. 
his winnowing fan is in his hand. He will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. About 30 years after Jesus' birth, in fulfillment of the prophetic word given in Isaiah 40, verses 3 to 5, John came out of the wilderness as God's herald, announcing, Get ready to receive God. He's about to show up to set things straight from the very roots. How did John say the people of God were to get ready to receive him at that time? By being baptized, accepting God's forgiveness, by changing their behavior so that the fruit of repentance would be produced in the way they lived. In due time, Jesus, the son of David, was born of the Virgin Mary. At his baptism, the Spirit of the Lord came to rest upon him. And in the years of his ministry, Jesus revealed the wisdom and the works of God himself to the consternation of his own people, the descendants of Israel. Jesus did not come exercising political or military power the way they expected. Instead, by the power of laying down his life in love, he defeated the principalities and powers in order to redeem and restore the human race and God's creation. Then, after receiving all authority in heaven and earth, he ascended to the throne of the universe leaving us with his promises to send his spirit upon us and one day to return himself. When, as Paul put it later, he comes, when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe, he will also come in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. See 1 Thessalonians 1, 7-10. John's prophetic message sets forth the way we also must prepare for God to come again in the person of our resurrected King, Jesus. We must confess Him as Lord of our lives. We must receive His forgiveness. And as a forgiven people, live together as God's people in a way that reveals the glory of His way of life, of His marvelous character in the midst of this present darkened world. Thankfully, the door is still open for anyone who will receive in faith the message that Jesus came and who will therefore turn from sin and turn to God and receive His forgiveness. All who do turn are made new in Christ. And all of us together can live in harmony with the life of our Lord as we wait in hope, serving as faithful sons and daughters, waiting for the restoration of all things to be made complete. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus.